Opening program parameters. Player code established. Welcome, Welcome. to the program. A production of TheMetalRobot.com Nobody cares about the robot gimmick! Just start the fucking show already! Ugh. Humans are determined assholes. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. Initializing playback. Welcome to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast, the podcast about all things metal and everything in between. It's been an interesting week for sure, including the release of my brand new EP, Call to the Demon Sultan, just yesterday. Yes, it's finally out. You can check it out along with a link for merch down in the podcast description. Just do a little browse, see what tickles your fancy. But enough of that, because today we've got a great show for you, starting with reviews this time. We have Dagoba, Bloodywood, Fumigation, and Night Rage's new releases to be picked apart on the show. Then an unreleased interview with Sour Times vocalist Joseph Isaiah on his solo album Harder Truths, MRP news to follow, including Bon Jovi of all bands wanting local bands to open for them, and ending the show with John Asher of Asher Media Relations and what you can expect from your first PR campaign. Let's not waste much more time and let's get into the show. I'm Tom McKay and this is the Metal Robot Podcast. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. Welcome back to the Metal Robot Podcast. I'm your host, Tom McKay. It's a new week, a new dawn, and a new episode of the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. As mentioned in the intro, we're starting off with the reviews this time out because, uh, well, looking at my show sheet for previous episodes, I realized it's pretty stupid. to go straight into an interview segment when this show is a spin-off of sorts from Metal Robot Reviews. So I figured, why wait for the aspect most of you probably know me for when I could start off the show with them? I could be wrong, though. I don't know you, but you can tell me in excruciating detail if you like this format. I'm sure you are going to do so and tell me whether this was a good idea or the dumbest idea I've ever had next to forgetting to shave after November was done. No joke, five days before Christmas, I was told I, quote, could shave the Wookiee pubes any day now. And my response could only be, Dad, we're in a Wendy's. Anyways, this week's album review throwdown, we're looking at Dagoba's By Night, Bloody Woods' Rack Shack, Fumigation's Structural Extermination, and Night Rage's Abyss Rising. If you have any albums you want me to talk about on future episodes of the podcast, send me an email, tmckay at themetalrobot.com, that's T-M-C-K-A-Y at themetalrobot.com, or reach out on socials, Facebook and Twitter at themetalrobot, Instagram at the.metalrobot. Now, without further ado, Let's take a look at what we've got. Dagoba is back with their new album, By Night. This is the first album since their 2017 release, Black Nova, which I also covered on the main YouTube show when it came out. Oh, if only you could see 2017 me back then, 19 years old and the cutest little turd in the metal scene. Well, okay, aside from the video titled Heavy Metal Baby Singing in the Backseat, that shit is just adorable, I can't help it! Now, talking about By Night, this is more or less a continuation of the sound the band has been creating since... Well, I think forever. To be honest, I think they've been doing this kind of sound since the band's inception. 
but here I feel they've begun to lean more into the electronica aspect of their sound that helps them stand out in the groove metal genre. And to be honest, I don't have a problem with that. The grooves are still there, the vocals by Shotter are still vicious and raw, while his cleans are very clean and polished with a bit of grit thrown in, and the guitars and bass are low and thunderous through it all. The one thing I feel has changed this time out is the focus more on mainstream writing styles. While this is still a metal album, it's brought on more of a pop mentality in some of the courses and even the ballad-esque slowdown of the song On The Run. And I know there are going to be people that don't like this sound. It's the nature of the music industry. A band or artist trying something new, and music fans with nothing better to do jump on public forums to wish you a speedy death and then continue with their miserable existence. But I also get it. Even for me, I feel this may be pushing the envelope between metal and pop a bit more than I'd personally enjoy. I mean, when On The Run went into the section of Send an Army, Send All The Gods, you can tell they didn't think through how that would sound rhythmically, and it, I don't know, it just feels wrong to me. It doesn't feel right. But still, a dip into pop mixed with the heavy thud of metal is not a bad thing. Spirit Box is doing that right now, and they put out one of the best metal albums of 2021 for many people. So, yeah, with this album, 13 and a half out of 15, it's not perfect, but it's also pretty good. I'll be honest, I'm not sure what I was expecting when hitting play on Bloody Wood's Rock Shack. I read the bio that came with the promo copy of this album, but I hadn't heard anything from them until reviewing them for this podcast. And when I hit play, my visceral reaction was full body movement to the beat, the vocal rhythm, the Indian folk instruments, and <gasps> fuck, I was so hooked. Side note, I'm going to try and say the song names here, but I'm probably going to mispronounce all of them, so just be aware of that. The main culprit of my immediate gut reaction was the opening track, Gadar, and the vibe kept going throughout the rest of the album, with the thunder and rhymes of Aj, the sing-along chorus of Zanji Rosé, Donna Dan's grooves, and the triplet feel of Yacht. All of that, with the genius incorporation of the music of their home country baked into the sound as a foundation rather than just an add-on. Guys, this is such a great album. So much so, I did something I usually don't do and went to find if these guys are coming to Canada. Then I remembered the COVID restrictions here are strict and truckers were blocking most roads into the country anyways. But who knows, in the future, if things calm down, you guys should totally come to Toronto. You'd kill it, I promise you. Overall though, 15 out of 15, solid album of the year contender for me personally. Go check it out. Okay guys, you had me sold with the weird fucking juggernaut clip at the beginning of the album. We could have just ended there and it would have been perfect. I mean, okay, fair enough, 45 seconds is not an album, so let's take a look at what we do have. Fumigation's Structural Extermination was requested by the band in question via Instagram, and being the kind of person to try new things, I saw this request the same way a soon-to-be pothead looks at a blunt the size of a fucking Blue Yeti microphone. I must add this to my collection. And so they sent me the promo, I sent off unsolicited pictures of my Blue Yeti blunt, and went on with hitting play. 
Now, Structural Extermination is a death metal grindcore kind of album, with a sound that's constantly pounding on your eardrums. From Veneershack to Servant of the Queen, the album barely lets up. Although I have to admit, there was a weird section about three minutes into the song Pinworms and Anal Burns, yes really, that featured a rush moment? Like, a moment inspired by the band Rush. Though I think they took the name Rush too literally, because they rushed into it and then rushed the fuck out of it ten seconds later. Look, I get it, you don't want to hold in your prog cum, but that's just too fast. <laughs> but no, the album doesn't have too many problems with it. One thing I found particularly odd, though, were the longer tracks. Yes, this album features longer songs, nothing too crazy, but songs like Mosquitoes in My Taquitos and Servant of the Queen are over the six-minute mark. Which, okay, five minutes is already fairly long for a death metal song, but it's manageable. Six minutes is pushing it, and seven better feature fucking story movements. But it's actually these long-form songs that drag the album. While it's not unbearable, I felt the album was longer than it actually was because some of these songs refused to end. To be fair, the album is only 44 minutes long, which is pretty standard for an album's length, but it just felt like it was much longer. It's not horrible though, overall, I thought this was an interesting listen and something most death metal fans will get a kick out of. 12.5 out of 15, check it out, if not for the album, the soundbite at the beginning of the album. Now you see, this is a death metal album that gets it. Night Rage's Abyss Rising, while more of an MDM record than a straight death metal album, has the get-in, get-out mentality with their songs, barely eclipsing the four-minute mark, albeit Shadows Embrace Me. But the songs hover around three and a half minutes, some going as far as to be under three minutes, and even under two minutes if they really want to keep it short and to the point. But it's not like they do nothing with it. These songs still have quite a bit of substance throughout. The title track features the large chorus that's a staple on this album with teeth-gritting shrieks and grooving drums. Nauseating Oblivion brings on some catchy riffing, including a secluded interlude featuring some subdued clean vocals, the cool little arpeggiated motif of Ninth Circle of Hell, and the list goes on. While this isn't too different from most MDM bands out there, Abyss Rising still brings forth an infectious and visceral experience that you need to check out if MDM is a genre you want to try out for the first time. Yes, of course, Children of Bodom is a good starting point, but don't sit on this one. Go check it out when you get the chance. It's really worth listening to. Wait, did I just do this entire review without cracking a joke? Shit, I got, it's not right. I gotta balance the universe. Um, um, frog-shaped penis. 14 out of 15. Go get it. And that's it for reviews. Like I said earlier, send your emails to tmckay at themetalrobot.com or reach out on my socials for any albums you would like covered on the podcast or on the main YouTube show. Coming up from Under Concrete Kings vocalist Joseph Isaiah talks about his latest solo collaboration, Harder Truths. Stick around, this is the Metal Robot Podcast. Metal addicts call it symbiosis between extreme metal and classical music. Cult Metal Flick says cinematic landscapes collide with atmosphere. Tom McKay says it's the reason my veins are filled with caffeine. Wait, what? I can't help it! I'd rather write awesome metal than sleep! Give me a fucking ambient, please! Call to the Demon Sultan is out now on all streaming platforms. And while you're at it, pick up some cool merch by going to metalrobotreviews.creatorspring.com or check the links in the podcast description. Stream now. Looking to stay up to date on all things Metal Robot? 
No, not really. What? Why? I don't listen to metal. How are you listening to this podcast? I thought it was Joe Rogan. We're going to pretend he didn't say that. Follow the show wherever you tread on social media. Facebook and Twitter. At The Metal Robot. Instagram. At The Dot Metal Robot. You can even join the Metal Robot Discord server. We have fun there. Links to all of that and more in the description of this podcast. Follow now. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. And that demonic guttural sound is Joseph Isaiah, frontman of From Under Concrete Kings, Seeking Sirens, and Sour Times off his solo outing, Harder Truth, featuring performances from many notable names in the guitar world, including Doc Coyle, Chris Danielli, Tim McMiller, and many others. Now, I actually spoke with Joseph about this back in December of 2021, but I never actually found the time to turn it into an actual video. Better late than never, I guess. Now, the interview actually ran for about 50 minutes or so, so to prevent me from cutting anything important out, I decided to just split it up into two parts. So let's take a look at part one. How you doing? Terrific. That's <laughs> That's Thanks fantastic. <laughs> you seem so enthused. Like, terrific. I'm doing great right now. I've, uh, I, really, I've honestly, in actuality, in actuality, I kind of am. I'm just, I'm just so busy. I've had so much going on that just, I'm just running low on the batteries, man. But really, no, I'm doing good. Thanks. <laughs> That's good to hear. It's good to hear. So, uh, so because it's your first time on the show, uh, first of all, welcome to the show. Uh, and second, for the audience at home who is watching this video, has no idea who you are or what you're about, why don't you introduce yourself, uh, where you're from, what you do, and how long you've been making music for. Uh, yeah, no, no, my name is Joseph Isaiah, and uh, I'm currently uh, releasing material under the projects from Under Concrete Kings, uh, Seeking Sirens, Sour Times, uh, and among others. I've been a you know performing and session vocalist since roughly 2007, um, and uh, yeah, that's basically that's basically it in a nutshell. Um, I've had a lot of other you know releases over the years. I've been formerly in City of Homes. Uh, before that, to die this night, structure fails. I've uh, been in a lot of different projects over the years, released a lot of music, and most of all, most of which has been getting released the past, you know, few years. It's definitely been ratcheting up, but yeah. So for those who don't know, I'm just, uh, you know, from Massachusetts, U.S., uh, and uh, yeah, just been doing this for a while and. That's basically about it. I'm sorry that's not really a great... <laughs> hey, no, that's pretty good. That's, so you've been doing this since 2007. That, that means you've been at this for quite a while by this point, yes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I put it around for a few years before, uh, but I never, like, recorded anything or did anything, you know, real until, like, 2007. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so given the fact that you've been around for so long and you have so many projects, are you fortunate enough to call this your full-time job, doing music your full-time job? Oh, heavens, no. No, no, no. Uh, I treat it like it is, but, uh, you know, I also, I full-time employment the whole time, by and large, for the most part. Uh, yeah, no, no. Uh, this, oh. it, it's a labor of love, but I work I work it like it's full-time. Okay, well, what, well, what do you do uh, aside from music, like in terms of like what your day job? Uh, I'm actually a mental health worker. So I work, oh. yeah, I work for the department of mental health in my state. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah. So like I, you know, I worked past like 10 years have been in group living environments. Um, I worked in the private sector before I entered state service, but doing essentially the same work. 
um, you know, working with either the developmentally disabled or the mentally ill. Um, and, you know, I really like that, that work. Uh, it requires patience and the ability to uh, just kind of talk to people and listen. So, you know, it's, it's yeah, kind of my wheelhouse, I guess. You know? I, I can imagine it requires a lot of patience. Holy shit. I, I commend yeah. you, good sir, for doing that. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, you know, oddly enough, it's because I've had so much experience in bands dealing with like crazy, you know, incorrigible band members over the years. <laughs> That like, man, if you could be in a band with like four or five other dudes, man, you could you could handle somebody who's crazy. I mean, it's, oh. it's like having five girlfriends at the same time. <laughs> it's uh, so it's like one of those things. Like, if I can handle that and still be doing that, there ain't no reason I can't, you know, deal with an actual legit crazy person. Right? Yeah, ha- having sense. five girlfriends while simultaneously keeping them all away from each other to keep yourself clean. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, no. This, no, no. They're all when you're in a band, man. It's like they're all together. They're all mad, me. <laughs> Like, you know, like just imagine like the most toxic relationship you've ever been in and then having that with like four other people. Oh, Jesus. Basically, you know, I mean, I've had some great musicians that I've worked with over the years. Yeah, yeah of like, course. You know, but by and large, like let's say like 85 percent out of all the musicians I've ever worked with over the years have all been in that thing where it's like, man, it's like I feel like I'm talking to my mother. You know, like, like you are just so annoying right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love the analogy though of like working with a ba- working with a band is like having multiple girlfriends in a way. Is that like that's? I feel like that's very accurate because for oh, one yeah. thing, well, for one thing, it's also like it's also like hold on, you already have a strong opinion at home. Why the fuck are you adding five more? But also, <laughs> it's just also like money is going to be spent here no matter what you do. Your wallet's going to be crying at you. Like why? <laughs> This is so much, uh, but I, I love that analogy. Thank you so much for that. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, like I mean, I look at it just from a personality standpoint. Where it's like, yes, you know, yes, yes, of course. They all want to feel like important. They all want to, you know, like they all want to feel like they're a, they're a part of it and they're a centerpiece and everything else. And they're all needy. They yes. all need validation. You know, and it's like it's like legit, like being in a relationship. It's like, dude, I, I actually get to make out with my girlfriend. Like, <laughs> like, 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 I ain't trying to make out with you. Why you? Why you treat me like 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 I'm your boyfriend that's doing you dirty right now? <laughs> like, what are you doing? You know? It's like dude, I can make out with this one for free. You don't need to pay. Like, this is <laughs> you had to pay me to get that happen. Okay. But, yeah. This this is, this is supposed to be fun. If I if I want somebody to yell at me for no reason, I'll just go home. Exactly. No. Yes. Yeah. So, so, uh, so for, for many, you're known for your work, of course, in the metalcore style. And let's be real. That title is not going anywhere after this album. I'll be completely honest. If anything, I feel like, I feel like harder truths actually will edge that on your tombstone here. Lives, Joseph Isaiah black, uh, but when it comes to your writing or even your vocal styles, who are your influences inside or even outside of the metalcore genre? Uh, outside, Frank Sinatra, James Brown. Um, really love James Brown, Marvin mm. Gaye. A lot oh. of the Motown stuff. Um, yeah, for you know, inside the genre or at least close to it. Like I was a big fan of Aaron Lewis back in the day from Stained. Like I liked his, I liked his vocal stylings and his lyrical work. Um, he's gone far off the reservation in recent years. I'm not going to get into that one. Nope. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. So like, it's weird because I've been around for a while. So like, when metalcore really started blowing up, like I was already kind of like doing some of those stylings with the screaming wise on my own already. Mm-hmm. So 
I get credited a lot to be like, oh, you know, you sound like Howard Jones, which is like an awesome compliment. Howard Jones is a great vocalist. But, you know, I mean, like, it's almost got a connotation like it's an imitation. It's like, dude, I was sound, I sounded like this before I knew who the fuck that dude was, part of my language. <laughs> no, no. You know, it's, like, it's a great compliment. And I've gotten it for years. And yeah, man, it's cool. But like, you know, it's like, oh, whatever. But for an influence, um, you know, right when I started out, Chris Barnes from uh, like Six Feet Under and Cannibal Corpse, like, like for low end screams, like that was, man, that was all about it. And then um, for like more mid rangey stuff, like, you know, Hate Breed, uh, I like the mid range stuff in there. Uh, Unearth, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Always like Trevor as a vocalist. Uh, and then like for raspy stuff. I don't know, man. You know, I never really liked Cradle of Filth, but Danny Filth has great rasps. So I'm like, you know, that's that's like an aspiration or a level to aspire to, to get him in that good, yeah. you know, because he really is good at, you know, those raspy high end screams. Um, in terms of like influences though, definitely not an influence. Like, uh, no. but I will say, I will say at the very least, like I, I find like, it's like, I like the fact that you, that you liked any Phil's screams, but not so much cradle of filth. Cause usually for most people is a complete opposite. They love cradle of filth, but they actually hate Danny filth. Not a yeah. screams, just a person. <laughs> what? Uh, sorry. You were saying, uh, further influences. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'm the one who cut you off. So what? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's all good. It's all, it's, it was, a, it was a valid point. Cause like, you know, like it's not that I don't like, uh, the, the music. It's just, you know, right. it, it, it's, and I, I really, I'm kind of in that with the, with the band too. Like I like the music better than I like the vocals, but that's just because I don't think the vocals necessarily like work with the music well in tandem, but that's mm. their style. Of course, that's their thing, but it's just, it just doesn't jive for me. You know, of course, yeah, of course. Looking at them as two separate entities, the music is good and the vocals for what they are are good, but particularly the rasp, like the high-end screams. Yeah. He's got those so unlocked, like, and he's got such longevity with his breath. Like, he can, you know, he's like one of those European soccer announcers that yell goal. Like, he could just sit there rasping and just watching his watch, just still rasping after, like, two minutes go by, and he doesn't pass out. And that's that's a level to aspire to, in my opinion, for like raspy high end screams. It's a pretty um, good level. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, far as influences, I don't know. I influence is a very loose term for me. Like, you know, mm. like, Oh, you know, like I might listen to something. And I might like a certain thing about a certain genre and be like, Oh, cool. I'm going to try something like this. If this kind of music part comes in front of me again. But like, in, as far as like influencing my creativity, and like the direction that I take, it's really depends on the guitarists that I'm working with at that project in that time, because I kind of like write to them and like, and I produce mm-hmm. my vocals or what I'm going to do behind the mic to what they give me. So like, you know, I don't know. It influence is a hard question to answer, but I hope I gave you like a valid answer. No, I didn't really. Answer yeah. That. Yeah. I say you did. I say you did. That's, that's fair. That's very fair. Uh, yeah. Next thing, I want to talk to you about uh, about your because obviously you're a vocalist. Uh, where was the majority of your vocals for this album recorded? Uh, was oh, it at home? Was it in the studio? Almost, literally, almost ninety nine point nine percent of the vocals for this record were all recorded at uh, Yucky Studios dis- slash Disappearing Mountain in East Hampton, Massachusetts. Uh, the engineer at the helm for that was Chris Danielli, who used to be in the Acacia Strain. Uh, he wrote a track for this song, and he 
tracked almost every single piece of the vocals with me. I did a little bit here at my studio here because I had a fix and he wasn't around. And I'm like, I got to fix this couple of things, mm-hmm. send it over. Um, and then he reamped some guitars and mixed and mastered the whole record. So, wow. Yeah. On top of, you know, putting out a smasher that is paper cut on top of it. That thing's such a beater, man. Just barn burner. Yeah. Love it. One of my favorites on the record thus far. Okay. Uh, well, in terms of the vocals, uh, particularly with the setup, uh, how much do you personally care about the gear that you use or the plugins in the DAW? Like, how important is that kind of aspect for your vocal chain to you? Um, that is a valid question, and I value it very highly, which is why I did almost all of the vocals for this record with Chris Daniele. Um, mm. But Right now, I'm just using a Shure SM7B with a Focusrite Scarlett 8i6 interface um, and just using the basic like stuff that comes with Scarlett, like the compression, uh, reverb, and maybe the EQ, and that's about it. Um, but I didn't do any of that for the vocals I contributed to this record because I knew Chris had all the toys and he had so much more stuff. So I was like, hey... I'm just going to send you these raw and just and, and send them over and you just work your magic as best you can. And he was like, all right, <laughs> <laughs> but it was because of the scheduling. He's so busy with, you know, his other stuff of course. that like, you know, it, it just wound up being that way that when it was time to get to mixing and master, it was like, damn, I've got these couple little things I've got to fix. So I just had to send it out, you know, thank God I had this stuff here, but I do care about it a lot. But as far as like recording myself, yeah, no, I, um, very limited experience thus far. That's a very new thing for me. And that's just because it's, uh, it's getting harder and harder to go into the studio with my preferred engineer. I've been working with Chris for years now, since like 2014. Um, and he's awesome. Like, that's my guy. If I can, I want to work with him whenever I can, because we just have great chemistry. He's got solid gear. Um, and he's got a lot of the toys, it's all legit. It's all pro. And, and just uh, but like I said, the, the key thing is the chemistry when we work together. Like he knows me now. So like, you know, if I'm just getting hypercritical about a part that I'm working on, he'll, he'll be the one that'd be like, no, that's good. You're nuts. You're crazy. <laughs> that, that, that was awesome. You are your own worst critic though. Like that's it's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, you know, like I'll try something and I'll feel good about it, but maybe I didn't hear it too well while I was tracking it. And he'll, but he'll be honest and be like, yeah, no, that was good, but I know you can do better. So do this again. And they're like, all right, cool. You know, like, and it's such a great relationship to have that with somebody where like he can say that to me and not piss me off. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Cause that, and that's even better. Cause like, I know like from my own personal experience, cause right now I'm working on my own EP, but working on like uh, an, on vocals or even any kind of instrument, alone versus with another person who has no problem being, I get, I guess to put it bluntly, giving you the harder truth when it comes to your own performance. I see what you did there. I see what I, yeah. Uh, like there's obviously a very different kind of like environment to them and each one has their own pros and cons, but I, you can't substitute having the second opinion there to be able to kind of keep your ego in check or to at least, you know, tell you when you can do better or when you can kind of pull back a bit. It's that's, in my opinion, the most vital kind of environment you can have in a recording session. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, it's one of those things like recording yourself is awesome in a way because you can do it on whatever schedule you choose. Yes. So like that's definitely a pro. But, you know, like I said, just, you know, there's something about having that guy there. That's another set of ears that isn't invested in the song. 
you know, like he's invested in the time spent with you and like putting his name on the stuff. But as far as the song goes, like he didn't write it. He didn't have anything to do with it. So he's just like, you know, like, hey, man, this is what I hear, you know, and and because he's been in bands forever and, you know, has been working at it so long, like he knows what he's talking about. So it's it's a double it's a double edged sword in a way, but I feel the pros far outweigh the cons. Working with an engineer in a studio, um, and also too because you know when you're doing that, you're paying for studio time. You're on a clock, yes. so you know um, you know you got to come correct. You got to have your homework done, and you got to go in there with the right mindset in it to win it. Whereas like you know um, you might get stuck or get lazy when you're doing it by yourself and be like you know whatever. Um, doing that at your own pace. And it's like, no, 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 I've got this booked. So I got to pay for this time. So I got to make sure my ducks are in a row. I got to make sure I go in there and I get, this is what I'm trying to do today. And that's it. It's got to get done. So having that deadline is also really a huge component because otherwise it's just like, oh man, I'm really busy. I'll do it later or I'll do it tomorrow. And the next thing you know, weeks or months have gone by and you still haven't done what you were trying to do. You yeah. can't do that when you book studio time. You know what I mean? It's like, no, you even, if you, even if you don't go, like you still got to pay for some of that time. You know what I mean? Like, You're basically paying for not going essentially. If, if you essentially, it up, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And if there's anything like, if there's anything a working, you know, Portuguese guy from Massachusetts hates doing, it's paying for something they don't use. We don't do that. We no. just don't do that. It's not, it's not, no, we don't waste money. So that, that was a nice, that's why I prefer that too, in addition to just, the chemistry and working with them and just the sound, sound ear. I, I could live list. I could list all day. The reasons that, you know, Chris Danielle is so awesome to work with in the studio and, and all the pros. Uh, I basically started getting into recording myself for situations that arose that be out of my control. Where it's like, I've got to meet this deadline, but I can't get in the studio for A, B or C reason. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I can meet this deadline because I can get the quality that's comparable to what I get in the studio. Maybe not with the plugins and such, but at least the raw tracks, I can yes. get that, that level of quality and send it to somebody. And I can do that whenever I want. That was really just like the thing. Cause I, I hate having to like hold something up because I couldn't get into the studio right when I needed to. Right. So, um, but yeah, that's basically where I'm at with it in terms of recording sessions for vocals. All right, Joseph Isaiah speaking about Harder Truths. Now, I hate to do this, or at least I know you hate that I'm doing this, but I'm going to save part two for next week. Oh, why? Cliffhangers are horrible, right? And I'll tell you what, tweet to me at the Metal Robot, and I'll be sure to read every single one of your creative insulting names for me and frame them on my wall. But don't fret, though, because the last 30 minutes of this interview were a lot of fun, and you'll get to hear the whole thing next week. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get that when it comes out. News of the week coming right up on the Metal Robot Podcast. This week's Metal News Recap is brought to you by My Sanity. Everything is so depressing! Why? To stay up to date with the latest in the metal scene, check out TheMetalRobot.com for videos, reviews, press, and so much more. Now, back into the podcast. Presented by TheMetalRobot.com, this is MRP News. That's right, it's the Metal Robot Podcast News of the Week, ending February 18th of 2022. There's actually some really interesting stories to talk about from this week, so let's not waste too much time. 
So here's an interesting one. England's resident Kiss Army member Danny Filth said that his band Cradle of Filth might possibly collaborate with Ed Sheeran on a song. Now, details have not been talked about yet as to what this would look like, but given Ed Sheeran's dipped toes into the metal world with his collaboration with Bring Me the Horizon, I wouldn't rule out the possibility of this happening. According to an interview with Consequence of Sound's Spencer Kaufman, he said this in regards to the rumors. We have been in contact. Ed's expressed a desire to be part of a song. And um, yeah, we're currently with, like, looking at some options. And that's about as far as it's got. Now, to be fair, this could easily fall apart faster than Kanye West's marriage, because... <laughs> what? It's topical! I mean, yeah, it's not metal, but it's relevant. Get fucked. This could fall apart easily, because while Danny Filth has done collaborations with non-metal artists, Danny Filth has shown in the past the kind of metal elitism that you would tend to expect from some vocal minorities of extreme metal fans, including making fun of perceived non-metal fans wearing Cradle merch, despite no evidence that they don't tear Beverly Hills' ass up to dusk into embrace. You don't know! You don't know! But as for the collaboration, we'll have to wait for an announcement. Because right now, Neither Danny nor Ed is telling. Welcome to the world. May I help you? <laughs> You're pretty cool, Beavis. <laughs> That's right, the favorite raunchy stoned-as-fuck duo Beavis and Butthead are returning. It's been announced that Paramount Plus will not only be remastering 200 episodes of the original 93-97 run, but they will also be adding more episodes and a new movie called Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe, the soon-to-be pirated summer sensation. I mean, let's be real, I could buy a Paramount Plus subscription, but if I can access a rip that may or may not give me a ransomware virus asking for the GDP of Lux. I think it's clear where I'll take my chances. Now, it's been shown already that the duo is being aged up in this new incarnation, to the point Butthead now looks like Hank Hill after trying the Super Size Me challenge from that one documentary health class had us watch on repeat. But given how dedicated the fanbase is and how fun the show is for many fans, I hope this reincarnation works out and brings us more of the classic hilarious banter we remember from our stoned, drunken 90s. So, you're a local band, and you are looking for ways to get your sound to the masses, but the bar you're playing at has only two types of people in attendance at all times. Drunk flirting with the not-interested waitress, or wishing you were Ed Sheeran and Danny Filth instead. Well, there's actually some good news for you if you're this person, because Bon Jovi wants you to open for them. I'm not kidding, you're not hearing that wrong, no this isn't the PCP talking. Bon Jovi, the 80s famous two-hit wonder, wants local bands at a few select cities to have the chance to open for them. You can find the various dates and places in the description of this podcast. Now, you do have to submit an audition video first, probably because they want to find a band that their fans would like, rather than doing what Emperor Rhombus of MetalSucks.net suggested, Porno Grind. We want a band from Omaha named Mutilated Dog Cervix or whatever to open for Bon Jovi and leave a bunch of blue-colored every people agape with their sonic assault and lyrical depravity. Now, as admittedly fucking hilarious that would be, that's probably not actually going to happen. I do like the enthusiasm, though. Very envious of your enthusiasm. Now, if you are interested in opening for Bon Jovi, you can submit your audition video featuring your music to the band's website, bonjovi.interactnow.tv, or you can check the link down in the podcast description. That song is the sound the Foo Fighters make when they want to take a trip to the dark side. 
Yes, that is Dave Grohl and company with a death thrash mashup called March of the Insane. The song was originally released as part of the upcoming Foo Fighters horror movie Studio 666 by the fictional band Dream Widow. Speaking with UltimateClassicGuitar.com, Dave Grohl said that this song is Dream Widow's quote, lost record. This is the record they were making before their singer murdered them. This is not just a creepy rock and roll house. It allows spiritual entities to cross into our world. What the fuck? And with that song, Grohl told Rolling Stone that there's also going to be a full Dream Widow album that we'll be able to hear hopefully by the film's February 25th premiere, which isn't that far away. Now, is that going to happen? I hope so. Am I going to review it in a snarky smartass way? I fucking hope so, so I can drown in the blood of the demon possessing the haunted house. I can't fucking wait. And finally, much like most good things out there, the nature of the modern world throws a monkey wrench into it and we as humans just have to put up with it. I'm of course talking about the new Rammstein album that was originally supposed to come out before kicking off their world tour May 15th. But things have obviously changed. The reason? Lack of paper. Now if you're like me, you probably immediately thought, what does paper have to do with an album? It's not like you're recording the songs on a piece of A4, you're using computers. But then I actually read the transcript from Rammstein composer Sven Helbig's interview with sexyshit.de and realized that I was a fucking moron, because somehow, in my immediate thought process, I completely forgot to consider that paper is still involved with distribution. In the translation made by Ramwiki on Facebook, quote, they need to be able to send out a large number of CDs and records, i.e. lots of booklets and covers worldwide at one go. And that's probably not feasible right now. This is, of course, in response to the worldwide supply chain issues going on in the world right now, including here in Canada, so much so that even local newspapers are being impacted. Now, the issue of the supply chain goes beyond the scope of this story as well as this podcast, but if you're interested or concerned how it might impact you, I would check out the details from reputable sources. And that's it for this week's news recap. Hopefully that covers it, but of course, if you have any stories in the metal world you want me to cover, be sure to send them my way to any of my socials. Also, check out TheMetalRobot.com for any news and press that can be found throughout the week. John Asher will join us in just a moment. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. Have you been on YouTube looking for reviews and thought, Wow, I'm so bored. Then you haven't watched Metal Robot Reviews. I missed the part where I'm no longer bored. Well, take a look. Symbols. I'm going to offend so many people. She's not supposed to review that, wasn't I? Fuck. I don't know what that was. You just played a bunch of clips. And it's all on YouTube. Wait, who was that? Don't ask. Just subscribe. Search up Metal Robot Reviews on YouTube to find all the latest videos in the metal scene, including metal reviews, reactions, interviews, and the fan favorite 10 Second Purge. Subscribe now. 15 plus artists. Multiple cultures. Multiple languages. One. Almost unpronounceable name. Homoyoisios. Homi. Homi. Mother. What the fuck does it say? It's pronounced homoyoisios. How? There's 20 O's. It's Latin. What'd you expect? The ultimate collaboration project of 2022. Homoyoisios. A symphonic, death, blackened, thrashing, grooving core fest. What genres? You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. Oh, 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 
Welcome back into the show. Are you still with us? You still with us? I know it's been a long, long journey to get to this point, but hopefully you'll stick around because this next interview is very important. Now, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, I had just released my new EP, Call to the Demon Sultan, which you can find on most streaming platforms if you search my name, Tom McKay, that is M-C-K-A-Y. If you search M-A-C, you will not find me. Now, during the promotional campaign, I teamed up with a PR firm, and it was a brand new experience for me. So much so, I made quite a bit of mistakes along the way, including a very important one, not getting the second single, Faith in the Faceless, to premiere a day earlier on one of the metal publishing sites. We were lined up to do so. The problem was the music video that was supposed to premiere on said metal publishing site was not ready until the day it was supposed to go live on the website. And so it never happened, which if I had got it ready on time, it would have helped the song reach a wider audience. I mean, it still did pretty good, I think. The music video is currently sitting at 119 views on YouTube. But I kind of wonder what would have happened had I followed the plan laid out by my PR rep, had I actually had the music video ready to go on time. But then that also got me thinking, what other mistakes are being made on PR campaigns? What are some of the mistakes or misconceptions that bands have about PR? And what should new bands expect when working with a PR firm? So, a couple of days ago, I sat down with John Asher, founder of Asher Media Relations out of Montreal, and I wanted to talk to him about all of this. Don't worry, I won't split up the interview in half like Joseph Isaiah. This is all very important to know, so I want to make sure you're listening through and absorbing every single detail that this man has. It's very insightful, and we do have a bit of fun as well, don't worry. Here's what we talked about. So, Mr. John Asher, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Uh, very good. All right, that's good to hear. So, before we uh, get into the uh, PR campaign's journey, why don't you tell me a bit more about Asher Media Relations? You know, what you do over there uh, and how it and how it all works. Uh, we try to make you famous. Um, <laughs> no. Does it work? No. Uh, <laughs> At least you're honest. That's important. No. No, um, just, uh, you know, been a PR PR guy for about 15, now going over 15 years in the metal industry and other genres. But, um, yeah, been doing that. And basically we use, if you want to break it down, PR is using the tool of media to uh, sell your product in a sense, right? The product is the music that you create, touring, album, et cetera, et cetera, the band itself. And we're using the media as a tool to spread the awareness to new listeners, new fans, etc. So in print, online, radio, uh, social media, etc., digital, all that stuff, right? All the anything under the media umbrella, and that's that's it in a real quick nutshell. It goes way beyond all that, right? And how do you usually uh, work with your clients? Like, how do they find you? And when they do find you, how does it? E how does it all like transpire? What has some of the clients basically said about working with Asher Media Relations? Personally, first and foremost, I have to like it. If I don't like it, I don't touch it. Um, that's usually how it goes. And most of the time, I don't really search the bands. They come to me. Mm -hmm. And it's usually through referrals. Working from one band to the next, right? They said that 
you know, they were happy with the results and stuff. So they, they spread the word, right. Mm. Uh, the best walking billboard is a happy band. So um, yeah, that's usually how it goes. They, you know, I have it set up where, you know, I, I filter it out. You just, I have a form on my website or they just contact me. I'm pretty approachable. You know, they spam me like I spam everybody else. They hit me up <laughs> on my social media or my email and they send me what they got. Um, my only preference is send me a final product. I hate, I hate raw demos. I really do. Oh, you know, just get like the super raw demos. Like it's not even, they didn't even bother with mixing. They maybe set the basic levels and then just kind of send that over. I gave the benefit of a doubt yesterday to a band. They sent me a raw. Really? They sent me a SoundCloud and they're like, this is the raw demo. And I'm like, that's great. Uh, I'll per, I'll give you guys the benefit of a doubt in a sense. Like I won't judge you on this. Come to me when you have a final finished product and then maybe we'll see if I want to work with it, but I'm not going to make any decision and blow you off. You know, you never know. Um, well, it's understandable though, because if you're just getting a raw demo, like that's not, that doesn't sound its best. I can say from my own experience, raw yeah. demos, they don't sound as good as they ever could be. Some bands forget about the first impression. And I, I'm a strong believer in the music industry. First impressions are key. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I've had bands who send me really bad demos and then <laughs> kept sending me bad demos. And it was a behavior of theirs. And then it's just like, I'm not interested in your band at all because you guys have not upped your game in two, three, four years. You keep doing the same thing. So you just haven't shown any progression. Is that in regards to how they conduct themselves online or with their yeah, music? You know, I had a discussion last week, too, with another band, um, not to carpet bomb music industry in a sense where it's a generic email. Make it personal because I got an email in this band and I was like, OK, I like what they sound like. But I was like, I work for multiple people. I work for multiple bands. I work for multiple music festivals, record labels, you know what is this for? You know, I was like, (laughs) what are you emailing me for? You know, you're just saying I'm in this band and we're doing this, this and and consider us. But just send you the generic email, dear media partner. I have a band. So it's just like, that's all, you know, and it goes a little bit further. If you had a little bit of personal touch or be direct, you know, in the end it was for the Valken battles I worked for. Mm. Uh, unfortunately i get a lot of indie bands not approaching me properly for the Valken battles uh, <sighs> taking care of the pr for in the states this year um and just getting really pushy that they are the best band and they should be on this whether they miss the deadline to submit their <laughs> applications or they should just win the thing right now and we're we want to play Valk in the festival itself, and I was just well, like, that's gonna go well. <laughs> I get harassed a lot about that daily. Um, it's been getting really frustrating. Um, that everyone uh, yeah. everyone has the aspirations to play for Valken, but no one actually has the talent or the know how of how to even get to it. Yeah, so like we have our protocols. Everything has a protocol. Same thing for the music festivals I work for. Um, some bands. Uh, I'm, hit me up to get added on the music festivals I work for. Um, but I'm like, the lineups are made and I, I don't, I don't, I'm PR, marketing PR. You know, I don't mess with the bookings. You want to go to the bookings, mm-hmm. talk to these guys, but, but 
just know like you can't get on it this year if if it's next week you know what i mean there's there's etiquette and i think a lot of people just don't uh some bands forget about proper etiquette in a sense mm-hmm. or they just don't know the behind the scenes yet enough right because that's just how it is. <laughs> you li- live and learn as you go you along. You live and learn. Exactly. All right. So with that in mind, let's start from the beginning of a PR journey. So let's yeah. paint the scene. I have a band and a new album. We are sweaty, bloody testies. We have just finished the mastering of our debut album, Fluffer Nutter Nuts a Watermelon. And we have approached you. First impressions, I'm going to assume went well because we have now started talking here uh yeah. despite the fucking baffling name scheme we have going on so we go to you what's the first thing that we do first thing is you, you send it to me like a finished product just that's all i want to hear i want to hear the full release on my own and then from there sometimes i ask even before i listen to it if you've decided on your singles have you decided on your singles and your music videos are you going to support it with music videos lyric videos playthrough just so I can get a grasp if there's any promotional content, what I can do with this thing, you know? Um, But I'll listen to it. And then usually it's like, okay, how many singles are you planning prior to release? Do you have promotional content such as videos for after it's released pre what pre and post, right? You got to build up to Mm. to the sales date. Right. And then you got to build up after you got to build after the, sales date right that's how i usually like my timelines and when covid's over touring right of course of course yeah yeah. touring's the i see when touring happens you honestly you get a lot more uh, traction on a promo um if it's timed wisely you know um so that's it i just i want to hear it and then from there i got a sheet they fill out i'm also looking for a story angle you know, mm. I can't be Joe Blow who I played this and we're the fucking greatest band in the world. Oh, we're death clock kind of thing. Right. Um, <laughs> so um, what's the story? You know, so I, I, I honestly have dropped some artists who don't give me some story. They're like, we don't have a story. We're just going to let the listener figure it out on their own. And I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, but the media like a good story. Well, we're mysterious. And so it makes it tough because part of it is when you read the magazines, you read some articles, you read about your artists, there's always a story behind their songs, right? Why they right. what inspired. So you need story too. You need filler. You need the reality. You are an artist. You are expressing yourself. I am not a detective, you know, yeah. going to come here with my magnifying glass and be like, Hmm, what is this? Right. If there's anything I've learned, music so, publishers, whether in magazines or et cetera, we're not, they, they're not exactly looking to become fucking Sherlock Holmes. Right. So they, yeah. it's, even if you don't want to give all the details, it's probably recommended. You give them something to work with. Even, you know, behind the scenes, all the labels, they got massive, you know, backgrounds on everybody on the album and stuff. There's tons of story angles. A story angle is great. It's called clickbait nowadays, right? We're looking for our right. So that too is important. So, um, and I, you know, I have some bands who get it and we're smart about it. Some bands are just like, you know, the lazy musician, right? Um, that's the only flaw I find a lot in this, this music in the industry is lots of lazy musicians, musicians time, 
don't understand deadlines. You know, we got to get advanced. You know, PR too. Uh, I'll give some advice. Behind mm. the scenes, when you see your favorite artist, the bigger boys, shit, man, they set that shit up like a year in advance. Okay, for all that stuff, the big press push, the marketing. I'm a smaller guy, but still, I like at least two months to like plan and get advances out to everybody and then bust their balls about it because you're a tiny guy. So you're at the bottom too. You're less important compared to like, you know, your band going to Gojira. Hmm. I think we're going to choose Gojira. You know what I mean? Like, right. So that too, deadlines and stuff. And it happens weekly. I was expected to get a lyric video uh, last week and I'm still waiting. Oh no. And it's kind of screwed up my promo timeline because it was supposed to drop this week. So now I got, you know what I mean? So organization is the key. Uh, So what I tell a lot of bands too is not only have the record done, but whatever promotional content you have done, have everything done, done, done. And then you begin your marketing and promoting plan. The, right. the sad part is, the sad part is, I think I actually experienced this in real in real life recently because I'm not sure how much you know about this, but recently I've been promoting a new EP. Which by the time this podcast goes up, it's already out. You can check it out. Uh, link is down in the podcast show notes. But with the with the one of the singles, "Faith in the Faceless," the music video was supposed to premiere on a magazine. It didn't end up happening because the video was not ready until. Basically, the day before the single's scheduled release. And that's very stressful as the PR guy. When that shit happens, I get pissed off at the musicians. And this is also why I have a rule is, like, I don't make plans until I have it. Like, so uh, I don't set dates anymore. Like, I've learned that lesson. I don't trust trust the musician's word anymore, really. Good good call. Musicians cannot be trusted. So because and it's not usually their fault, it's what, you know, you get somebody to do the video and there's always some kind of monkey wrench along the way. I've learned mm-hmm. that lesson. I call I have a daily thing I say to everybody. There's always a monkey. I have one monkey wrench a day. I have my whole plans. I'm like, I'm going to work on this. And then somebody throws me a monkey wrench that fucks up my whole day. You know, so mm-hmm. it's just like, ah, so. But yeah organization and honestly gather all your tools first and foremost plan and then execute execute is your last thing and don't rush because you rush and then you're like a chicken without a head and you're like oh fuck and then you know you're trying to prevent present yourself professionally because not only are the pr guys the you know i'm the professional on the front line Right. Right. I'm the one who eats shit when you fuck up. Right. So it's usually not the bands. I get yelled at at the by the editors. I I burn a bridge with the editors sometimes. You know, you can make me burn bridges with writers and editors and radio guys if I said it was coming this day and it's not. And then you're fucked. You look bad. It's better to have everything in advance as much as possible. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's been my rule. That's always been my golden rule. And it gets sometimes I have days where I'm like, ah, the band fucked up. You know what? No more premiere. I'm not going to even bother shopping a premiere. We're just sending it out. We're not going to try to get that exposure for you. You guys fucked up and learn up, learn from your lesson. 
Sometimes yeah. I feel like they're, 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 they're man child. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and we had we had to do a similar thing with Faith in the Faceless because it didn't it wasn't ready in time. In fact, I was literally I remember working on that music video myself because I had no one else to work on it for with me or for me. Uh, in one night, it was vi- I still kind of feel the monster energy in my systems still yeah. <laughs> from that from that experience. But yeah, because of that, we had to just premiere it on YouTube and hope for the fucking best. It doesn't it it hurts your growth more than anything. Yeah. Like my job, like when people come to PR, our job is also like where you're, where you're consultants, you're, where you're conciliaries, you know, where you're advisors. We're like, you come to us for our knowledge. So it's like, when you come to me, like I, 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 you come to me for my advice and my experience. So I'm like, you present me a good music video. I'll be like, Hmm, I want to get good exposure and the good credentials. Right. The thing too, with press is like, Press adds creden- uh, credentials and credibility, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I battle with indie bands where they're like, hmm, we want to premiere on our own channel. And I'm like, I'm straightforward. I'm like, no one's looking for you on your channel. No. Nope. Fuck about your band right now because they don't know you exist. Thus, we're going to go and try to get you on a YouTube channel that has tons of subscribers to discover you. But we won't get the hits and you'll get the hits on that channel and you'll get possibly some new fans, maybe some money out of it if they like it and buy it. Whereas your own channel, nobody's looking. You know what I mean? So, yeah, for places to place you, right? Like place media outlets to place you that have good traffic, right? The big outlets, like example, like Mm -hmm. every band and their mothers like i want metal injection right you know what i mean like (laughs) give me on Loudwire, damn it Loudwire, you know all these big sites but when you're indie it's let's be real you're not there yet not even close right so but this is the thing you want those numbers those those readership to get you want those eyes on your product so it's figuring out so it's through the print you know, the magazines, the online outlets, the radio stations, and just trying to get you on various platforms so people are seen and heard on various formats to become fans and stuff, right? So, mm-hmm. and sometimes it goes super well, and sometimes it, it falls flat, you know, but sometimes it comes down to the quality of the music. You know, I have bands who are pissed off with other bands that I work for because one band's better than the other. Right. And it's just because they're getting more media attention than them. But it's like that, too. You can't predict the outcome. You can't. I I still to this day, I cannot predict the outcome of a promo campaign. And that, too, a lot of bands want guarantees. I want you to guarantee me we'll be on this, this, this and this. And that can't happen. That can never happen because you send it, you pitch it. You speak to them, you give them the story pitch, the elevator pitch, the marketing angle, the story angle, whatever. They still might not want to run it, you know? So no, it, it's a tricky, it's a very t- uh, tricky business. And it's also time sensitive. There's so many factors I can go on and on, write a book a bazillion times over about behind the scenes for PR stuff. 
Well, plus it's also like, as we'll, as we'll get into more about this later on in the segment here, but uh, it's also like a matter of the band has to do some kind of work on the side. It's not just uh, up to the PR guys. The PR yeah. guys, obviously, they can give as much advice as possible, but if you're not promoting your own shit, it doesn't help anything. That too, we, actually, it's a good point because I yeah. also look at that when I work with a band. What have yeah. you done on your own? What's your work ethic? Have you really, do you really understand how, how much against the brick wall are you and stuff? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get more into that in a second, but res- resuming our journey with sweaty, bloody testes here. So what's the list of, thi- great name I know, what's the list of things that we usually try to, that you want us to have prepared ahead of time for this new album, Fluffer, Nutter, Nuts, a Watermelon? Final product, the recording itself, the album or EP, right? Music video content, if you got lyric videos, music videos, playthroughs, whatever. Uh, I do like maybe a choice of single recommendations. If not, I'll even recommend some singles that I think might be ear catching. Um, pictures, your band photos, 300 DPI JPEGs with over megabyte because you got to think uh, high res kind of stuff. Uh, album, of course, your album cover is going to be done. I like to, I like to have the lyrics and I need to know the album credits, um, whether it's Canadian. Are you a member of SoCan? Is it Maple? Uh, that stuff's all key. Producer credits, mixing, mastering. Is there an artist, any endorsements, like a name, a well-known name that mixed or mastered it or produced it or a guest on the album? I've had bands leave that shit out and I was like, oh, you didn't tell me uh, this guy from this band was guest vocals on this song. Yeah. Why the fuck wasn't I told? This could have even gone further. Oh. That that truly oh. hit me there because I know with some bands I've rev- I've even reviewed on the main YouTube show uh, where I'm like I hear a guest and I'm like I saw no credits for this person in the promo. Who is this person and yeah. where can I find them? Because they're amazing. You believe it? A lot of bands do that and it drives me nuts. Uh, yeah, what so is the philosophy behind that? What? Who thinks it's a good idea to leave out a guest? Well, they do that. You know, they, bands do a lot of things. <laughs> I sometimes wonder how I keep doing this business. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, that and I get a sheet usually for bands to add. I do a Q&A, my own Q&A, because I need to know the fuck about this album and this band. I, You know, I can't just take a Facebook link and pimp it out. You know what I mean? Like I need behind the scenes details and know about this band, you know, (laughs) like, yeah. So that's usually, that's usually my criteria uh, when a band comes to me. So if say our band uh, just prepares only the MP3s, we don't tag them. We don't give them names and we just label each one of them with the band's initials and a bizarre numbering system. (laughs) I prefer them tagged. But I end up, I still end up tagging them myself because um, wow, bands can't do it properly. <clears throat> so I end up, I, I end up usually tagging them myself for the radio stations and the media guys. <coughs> yeah, give me some water here. Oh, yeah. the missing link, super spreader, run! Got <laughs> uh, me so upset. <laughs> <laughs> the thought of dealing with musicians just ah. Oh. <laughs> 
I'm surprised I still have all my hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you start sounding more like Glenn Fricker the more this this interview goes on. <laughs> I love Glenn. I, I personally Glenn's awesome, and uh, he's super fun to hang out with. And he is one of those guys I love to have to rag on behind the scenes industry stuff with. He's so much fun. Now, uh, in terms of preparing a press kit, I know as a critic, a comedy critic, I know this part is very important uh, for me to receive from a band. But for you uh, with the PR aspect, how important is it for the band to provide lyrics in their press kit? I personally find it's important, especially, honestly, I get that question from reviewers. They're like, some reviewers honestly like to look at the lyrics, read the lyrics and go in depth. You know, and also for radio, when we were talking to FM radio, they need to double check for profanity. Yeah. So I need the lyrics for that, too, um, especially for the states. Um, so because they don't want to be fine. You don't want to be that band that got them fine. You know what I mean? No, no. So those are important, but it's mostly because I, I because I also hate that email. I hate that email. Hey, man, uh, I'm doing the review, but there's no lyrics and I want to go like understand the meaning of this song a little bit more. And then you got those bands who are just like, we don't want to give the lyrics. I'll give you two reasons I get. Dude, we don't want people to rip off our lyrics. They go online. I don't want them being ripped off. I, I swear to you not. Bands are really scared of getting their lyrics ripped off. It's really funny. What? Yeah, I do. Do they that. not know how music works? They're going to get ripped off no matter what you do. <laughs> yeah, so I get that a lot. And then they're just like, no, we like to keep it a mysterious. And I'm like, and then they put me in the middle. Right. But most of the time, I always stress I need the lyrics. I really hate sending yeah. out a promo without lyrics because I just I want media guys not to come back and ask me for shit. I want to make sure it's all in the press kit. Right. And you don't need to bother me. It's all there. That's my my yeah. My goal is to present you with a, a full package <laughs> that you don't have to come back and bother me. You got it all there, easy breezy, idiot proof. That's one of the things I learned in like when I was studying corporate PR. Always make shit idiot proof. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you see my EPKs, I do lots of repetition in my EPKs at the top, in the middle, at the bottom. But that's because I always had this thing drilled in my head about idiot proof. So I'll make sure all the information is there for the blogs and repetition in the game of PR too. repetition legitimizes. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's pretty much, yeah. A little trade secret. That's all. That's true. I mean, let's be real. How many times have I gone to you and be like, Hey, I want the lyrics for this, yeah. uh, for this album. Well, like I, the Sigmund Draconis and they didn't give me. Yeah. Lyrics, right. They, they didn't give you lyrics the first time. No. What? No. I feel like that's the most important part, especially seeing as there's a lot of Italian and, and Latin in there. Yeah. But I didn't get it. And so I had to bust balls to get it. Wow. So, Good yeah. thing I asked that, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I, to be, I also like ended up like with the uh, with part one of that review and part two that which should be coming out hopefully soon, yeah. where, where the lyrics became quite that were really helpful with the content. Well, it's relevant because it's based on Dante. <laughs> yeah, so the funny. lyrics are very important here. Yeah, so these these are uh, PR problems one on one. 
Continuing with our journey, we've begun our partnership for this album. The payment has gone through because, of course, it's not free. PR has to eat. And we have a plan of attack for Fluffernutter Eat Nuts of Watermelon. The breakout porno grind album the mainstream wasn't ready for. You guys are doing your best with uh, Asher Media Relations to get the album to the publishers, get it to the blogs. So... With that in mind, what is the job for Sweaty Bloody Testies? What is our job until release day? Now that's where I come in. You follow my lead in a sense. Like, okay, now I'm going to skip. Now I got to plan the promo timeline. What I usually tell bands is like, I don't give, I honestly am the type that I don't give a fuck about your social media posting, really. As long as you follow my, as long as you, just follow the timeline where we're going to do premieres for the singles and lead up. And, you know, if I give you reviews to share, whatever, if you're going to like engage your content, I, most bands are not that dumb and they know what to post and stuff. Hey, you know, they got teasers. I'm like, you're fine with your teasers. And if we got a premiere for a single, just say coming soon, don't date it in case things fall through with the outlet, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, just most of the time I tell like them to follow my lead, but I'm not really anal on like, come to me first before you post. But right. uh, I did have to give shit to one band recently because I'm doing a promo and then out of nowhere, they're like, hey, by the way, we, we kicked out our band member. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I caught this on social media. I, I caught it on social media. Nobody told me. Right. And I get, no. I've had so many stories like this. No. So, so I'm like, Hey guys, uh, it would have been nice to me in the loop that you're kicking out a member and you kind of make the promo look bad now and negative because you're, I, I always find that when bands start kicking out members or losing a member during an album promo, it's a sign of, it's starting to dissolve and you don't want that. Keep that shit inside. Announce and don't even mention it. I'm I'm a fan of when you got a new member, just announce it. Don't go fucking blasting like, yeah. You know, yeah. you've seen it, right? Where bands are like, this is my story. No, 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 they kicked me out because of, and we kicked them out because and I'm like, you don't it, it makes the news. It makes it makes uh like it makes the news on Loudwire, Metal Injection, etc. <laughs> if they're big enough. <laughs> yeah, if they're big enough. But yeah, it still you know, gets out it still gets out there and it's and it gets like, uh if I'm clicks. dropping if I'm dropping a record, we're doing a promo and we're dropping it next week, you know, I don't like that looking bad to to some to some media outlets, you know, like, oh, you know, it can change their perception, right? Like well, yeah, especially if there's no if there's no fucking warning uh, given. Like you just like look yeah. on social media one day. It's like, hey, this band I'm working with, they kicked out their drummer. Eddie's gone. What the fuck, guys? You know, I just just give me a heads up. You know, some bands just don't give a heads up on certain things. I love. I've had. I have. I've had positions where, like, we're doing the promo and they're like. I didn't even know they were planning a tour. They never told me they were planning a tour. And then boom, they planned and they announced this tour. And I'm like, where was I in this guys? Like, yeah. I didn't know if you got tour dates, I need to know. I could have contact people in those cities, the media guys in those cities and let them know. I like advance. I can't now. I'm just like, ugh, you know, like, mm -hmm. okay. Just so stuff like that or yeah. Yeah. Or 
They dropped the single. Had <laughs> <laughs> scenarios too where we set up a premiere. So it's this date. And then the band just dropped the single or the video the day before or the day of, but not the premiere link. And you're like, why the fuck did I set up a premiere? What was the point? You guys are just sharing your direct band camp or your Spotify or your, your YouTube. And now I'm eating shit from the outlet. Cause they were like, I thought we had a premiere. And I was like, I thought so too. I'm very sorry. And I probably burned my bridge. You know what I mean? Like, right. That stuff. So that's the only time where I'm like, you don't do fucking anything until I say so for that stuff where it's even my ass on the line with media reps. Right. Right. But most of the so, time it's, just, it's fine. Just, uh, you know, watch what, you know, if they're smart, you know, watch what you say. Don't do politics. That's an obvious. Ah, uh, yeah. So that's actually the next thing I wanted to get into, because uh, let's say during the campaign, our official band Twitter for Sweaty Bloody Testies uh, still they decided to start cracking jokes about, I don't know, that, that wanting to suck Hitler's rancid cock. Glug, glug, glug. Right. But like, so how does that look for you uh, in that regard? Like what like what do you say to that? Do you advise against that entirely or do I you? Would. <laughs> yeah. Be- yeah, maybe suck somebody else's cock. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, that, but, like, if it's part of your gimmick, it also depends what your branding angle is, right? You know, if that's part of your ang- your branding is to be gimmicky and stuff, right? But maybe it's fine, right? If you're supposed mm-hmm. to push, press some buttons and piss off people a bit, be little controversial and fine. But if it's not really... Um, you know, what's your branding? That too. What is the image of the band? What are you trying to PR is also the art of perception. Remember, you control what people perceive about your band. That's the beauty about it, too. So, what are you trying to mirror here, right? For them, mm-hmm. they don't have to see the real internal stuff, but what is the branding, right? So, right. Um, yeah. You, okay. You sometimes still have to be careful, right? So. Of course, of course. So going into the final stages of the uh, campaign, the album has officially released. Fluffer Nutter Nuts of Watermelon is out there on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, wherever you get your music. But obviously, promotion for the album does not end on release day. So what is the usual advice that you would give for a band? on how they can keep this up even after release day. I usually be like tours, of course, when pre-COVID, like get some tour going, touring going and stuff to promote this release, shows, etc. But videos, at, at the way I see it after a release is like the only way to keep creating content is creating content. Mm-hmm. So lyric videos, music videos, playthrough videos, you know, try to engage your fans with some contests and stuff. Um, Give me a reason to keep introducing the album. That that that's pretty much what you're looking for. What can I keep doing to 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 reintroduce the idea that my album is out now and to check it out and hopefully buy it or just put myself on your radar, right? So and behind the scenes, what I'm still doing is trying to follow up for the album reviews and interviews and radio airplay and stuff like that, right? It's kind of like one a machine just. Diff, using different things but that's how that that's how i see it and 
you know what bands who complain about money my other <clears throat> advice is spend some advertising dollars on your social media your youtube because it goes back to what i said nobody is looking for your band you have to put it in their face right right well unfortunately bands who complain about money and stuff i don't understand is you'll spend a shit ton of money on your recording to to record your your art that you want to show to the world but when it comes to wanting to show it to the world you don't want to spend the money so people should just be able to it's the internet people could just find me and yeah, all they got to do is just search not. up sweaty bloody testes can it be that hard the problem these days is we are much more saturated market than ever before. Right. So you really have to push it down people's throats. You really have to stand out, you know, and honestly, spending dollars is the way the world works. Right? You know, uh, the Internet has definitely made that a big thing, especially if you want to get your music to more people. Cause again, yeah. like, like I joked about a second ago, but sweaty, bloody, no one's searching up for something called sweaty, bloody testes, unless they actually have that condition. Unless they got some problems. Yeah. At you which know? point see a doctor, but. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you got to put it in their face. You got to be like, Ooh, uh, like if it was me, I, if I was in that band, I'd be strongly working on visuals you know, to grab attention. Okay. Uh, visuals too are very key. We're a visual society first and foremost. That's how I, right. I, I'm going to actually give a shout out to Timo because their fucking album art was so good and visually like, uh, right. Yeah. It was so good that I got a lot of media too. Her like, dude, I didn't know what to expect from this album, but the album artwork just made me want to check it out. And I was yeah. like, that's good, man. I yeah, I do have to admit that because I did review them when on the podcast when it came out. I may not have been the nicest to it, I'll be <laughs> completely honest. But then again, even I got to admit, yeah, the album art and the visuals really kind of got my attention almost immediately. Yeah, they, well, they touched on uh, the Bob Ross angle, right? And then just yeah. coloring alone, too, was by What's-His-Face. He does every thrash band, uh, Andre there. Uh <laughs> And, um, but yeah, the coloring was just right and drew you in. And I don't care what people say. Uh, you do judge the book by its cover because yeah, the music, like album covers to me personally, I have bought albums based on an album cover. Like, I mean, uh, who hasn't really, let's be uh, honest with ourselves. So visuals too, which goes back to band photos also, but, um, but yeah. Mm got to be eye capturing and there's a psychology to it but i won't go into it because it can go on forever but there's a <laughs> there psyche there's psychological uh stimulation with colors and stuff and you know it's marketing it's it's fucking that's my other advice bands someone in your fucking band take a marketing 101 course at least you know absolutely yeah educate that too i find some bands don't want to educate themselves on the music industry and when it's like on fucking Google, just Google up shit you don't understand and read a fucking article. It's Yeah, it's it's not that hard to just open up Google and type whatever dumbass question you got. There's no such thing as dumb questions, yeah. only so, dumb people who don't search up those dumb questions. Yeah, I got another one for you to laugh. I, I've had bands who are like, dude, I don't know how to use a computer. <laughs> I, I swear to God, man, uh, that was frustrating. 
I don't know how to do social media. We don't want social media. I had one band say, we don't want to do social media. And I was like, hmm. Ah, I get that. But at the same time. (laughs) I get it. But then really nobody's going to like. You kind of got to put up with the shitstorm of Twitter in some instances, if you have Twitter, which I realize most people don't, but. Even better. I got a better story. I had a black okay. man come to me and be like, we want you to do our PR, but we want to stay strictly underground and what? nobody really know us. And, huh? and I was like, well, that defeats the purpose of PR. That, so yeah. What? Hire me. <laughs> So, hold, so let's see if I got this right. You want to spend money on PR to get to your known, name out there. Known as a legitimate, still underground metal band, right? I don't think they thought this through. And I didn't. I didn't work it. So I, didn't, I mean, Underst- I mean, yeah, because you're like, how do I approach this? Even I'm like, so hold on. You want to be a legitimate underground band, but yet I'm seeing you in my emails here, guys. What you clearly went with a PR firm. What the <laughs> fuck? What is the logic as a comedian? I would have enough material to pull up at a fucking hour long stand-up special. Like that would be great. Yeah, man. There, uh, there's, I got tons of stories of, stuff I deal with behind the scenes. And I'm sure that they would fill up an entire podcast, but obviously we're, uh, we've are we been going on for about 40 or so minutes now. So I think it's the point of the, of the podcast segment where we shout out Asher Media Relations and thank you, John Asher, for coming on the show. So uh, if there, is there anything that you want to promote here and now on the podcast for the listeners? Uh, every single band I work for currently, check out, <laughs> check out. Yeah. Every single, every, every, every single, band. Um, the list is, I just, I don't have that big of a memory. Uh, there's too much. <laughs> Basically, just check out the bands. I'd still do it kind of pretty much. You know, I could have gone off and done corporate PR and worked for some big oil company or something. But I really <laughs> like working in the music industry. And I kind of still do it fighting for the underdog. And I, for the love of the music. I was a musician yeah. before anything, all of this stuff. So, and if you're in a, a mature band, that's <laughs> Come and talk to me. I won't say yes. I won't say no. I'll just still check it out and then whatever. But like, it's got to be serious. You got you really let's you got to be serious about releasing your music. But absolutely. Um. Yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. I'll make sure to have all of your links down in the podcast description. Be sure to check out Asher Media Relations. Thank you, John Asher, for coming on the podcast. Thanks for thinking of me. This was fun, man. All right, that was John Asher of Asher Media Relations on the Metal Robot Podcast. You just listened to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Metal Robot Podcast. You can follow the show on the internet, YouTube, Metal Robot Reviews, Facebook and Twitter at The Metal Robot, Instagram at The Dot Metal Robot. You can also check out everything Metal Robot on TheMetalRobot.com for videos, reviews, press, and so much more. I'm Tom McKay. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and I'll see you in the mosh pit next time. Have a good night. Bye.